For a few weeks there, after the Corbin Burns trade, we thought the Orioles might have had one of the best one-two punches in all of baseball. And then Kyle Bradish went down. So the question is, is Grayson Rodriguez a good enough replacement there at number two to make the O's still a World Series contender when you look at their rotation? We'll talk about that with Andy Casca from the Baltimore Banner coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, February 22nd, 2024, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and today I'm going to be joined in just a moment by Andy Koska. He covers the Baltimore Orioles for the Baltimore Banner and has uh, done a great job covering spring training so far. He is coming to us from down in Sarasota, Florida. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. So we welcome back in Andy Koska. He covers the O's for the Baltimore Banner. He is in Sarasota. He is on the beat right now. He is covering this team as he has done for the last couple of years. And uh, I'm sure, Andy, you are excited for 2024. Um, I'm sure you're excited to get back to Baltimore. I guess I'll ask there, like, how much is too much Florida in, in spring training? How, how much? What, at what point does it flip to, like, I need to get back home. Ah, oh, immediately. <laughs> I'm not a Florida. I'm not a Florida guy. Uh, not a Florida man, which maybe maybe is a good thing to stay out of the headlines. Yeah, but um, you know, Florida's a, a nice uh, change of pace every once in a while. The pickleball games down here are great. I've uh, been, been balling a little bit, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to get back to Baltimore and, and to Camden Yards. Yeah, that, that that that's what we're all feeling right now. It's still February. We're still more than a month away. But thanks for coming back on the show, Andy. We had to talk pitching here. I mean, this is obviously the, the biggest story out of Orioles camp so far. They add Corbin Burns. We're looking at, you know, maybe a top 10 rotation in baseball. It's been since the 80s, maybe, since you could say that about the Baltimore Orioles. And then Kyle Bradish goes down. Then John Means is a little behind. I think the, you know, your reporting and others about John Means has made it seem like, okay, you know, he might not be ready for opening day, but unless another thing goes wrong, the O's should have him for most of this season. But I did want to start by just asking you, what is the latest update on Kyle Bradish? I know he's been throwing a little bit in the last few days, but where do things stand right now as we record on, on Wednesday, February 21st? Yeah, so we've seen him uh, first day he threw um, last week was about... 40 feet or so this is light tossing so nothing uh that strenuous uh we've seen him do some uh pitchers fielding practice where he's actually done uh underhand uh tosses to first so there's nothing uh strenuous there uh then i believe it was yesterday uh so tuesday february 20 was when he did throw for maybe 90 feet uh inside the main stadium uh in the Sar ed smith stadium complex here in sarasota it, it was, again, pretty light. Um, he's not using any spin um, from flat ground. So this is just kind of the, the testing period. Uh, what we do know at this point, uh, we don't know much beyond that, I'll be honest with you. But what we do know is uh, it's a UCL sprain. What that tends to be is, um, you know, either a partial tear or a, a more full tear, but probably a, a partial tear in this case uh, that is playing through it. Um, he had the PRP injection, uh, which 
does you know it shows that yes you know something is is teared on that ucl um and that is a it can be an effective way for a a more minor uh partial tear it, it can be a non-surgical remedy uh for you know a ucl injury that's what we know that's what we know right now um he's going to continue to ramp up slowly uh with these non-strenuous throwing exercises and, and see how his right arm feels uh in the meantime it's it's kind of just an, a day by day thing, you know. It's, it's really hard to know um, to, to kind of have a crystal ball of, of whether uh, on day ten, on day fifteen, is it suddenly going to start hurting? Uh, is something going to go backwards? Um, so this at this stage, we really are just kind of at that wait and see moment where he will continue to do work. Um, in the meantime, you have to assume we know he's going to start the season on the injured list. Uh, so you just kind of have to assume that, um, you know, maybe the, the first month uh, is, is definitely not here. Uh, anything beyond that's a little murky. Um, it, it's not a great prognosis. Uh, you know, oftentimes this leads to Tommy John, you know, uh, Tommy John elbow reconstruction surgery, which is, is you know, not a not a, an easy thing to come back from. And, and I know. Uh, you know, we've seen John Means, who you just mentioned, you know, he's missed the better part of the last two seasons because of Tommy John surgery. And now here he is in, in the offseason. You know, he hasn't had an injury setback or anything, but uh, just a slower ramp up period to kind of give him more time to to let the arm rest this offseason, which is why he's a month behind schedule. So it, it's a it's a serious injury um, to have. And, you know, best case scenario, Kyle Bradish comes back and, and is as good as he was from basically all of 2023 uh worst case is he misses the 2023 season but it's really hard to it's really hard to know the exact timetable yeah and it's got to be tough because you know now as you have him throw as you get the prp injection like i don't think we're at this point yet but at some point if it's going maybe not great but okay at some point as you're avoiding surgery you get to the point where if he eventually gets it he's missing a good chunk of 2025 as well. And right. I, I wonder like what the balance is there for the Orioles. Like I know when this happened with Felix Bautista last year, it was like, Hey, we've got a month left in the season. Can we shut him down for a bit? Can we give him the injection? Can we get him back for the playoffs? He's that good. We know he's going to miss next year, no matter what, let's try to get him back. This calculus is a little bit different because the O's are clearly going for it this year after trading for Corbin Burns, knowing he's a rental, but also Kyle Bradish has got what you know four plus years of of team control. Like yep. you want him around for beyond this year. So I was just wondering your thoughts on like what 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 do you think that calculus is? You obviously want to avoid surgery at all costs, but but it's a it's a big decision. Maybe not right now, but you know a month from now they're going to be looking at a, a pretty big decision. Right. I actually asked Michael Elias that exact question of what is the you know the, the calculus to use your word of of whether you have surgery now to potentially in the long run have him back healthy for maybe even 2025 part of 2025 um or if you wait um you know he might miss the better part of two seasons um that is a really tricky uh really tricky um decision for the front office and because you it's it's never a great you don't want to go surgery if you can avoid it you know certain you know surgery is kind of a a it's it's number one a super long recovery process and it's 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 for uh, serious cases so if they feel like it's not as serious of a case and they can avoid surgery that's going to be first priority uh, 
Mike, when, when Michael Elias was discussing this, um, he quickly pointed out, as you did, that this is a, there was a difference between Felix and uh, Kyle Bradish here. And number one, the timing of Felix's injury, they felt like, you know, who knows? They could they could maybe have him back at some in some form for the postseason. Didn't work out. Um, and Mike also said that they were fairly confident that they would need surgery eventually for Felix Bautista, which at the time he didn't. <laughs> they, he was he was very uh, you know coy at the time and, and not uh, giving that information away. But um, you know, in hindsight, he he said that you know surgery seemed to be the clear option. Um, he seems fairly confident that uh, they could avoid surgery with Kyle Bradish. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see as the, as the weeks and, and months continue of, of Kyle Bradish and um, as he throws more, but it, it he was, you know, Michael Elias was saying that the, it's a different situation because they don't think uh, there's, there's not a, you know, guarantee that eventually Kyle Bradish will need surgery. So that's the first main difference between him and Felix. And then the second is, it's just the timing. Uh, Felix with they, they felt like they should just keep him throwing just in case um, this is more a throwing program because they think they de- they could possibly have him back uh, in 2024 pitching substantial innings um, very tricky uh, I don't have a good answer for you but yeah I don't think the O's have a great answer either because this is a tough spot to be in you don't necessarily know whether to uh, rush a surgery when you could avoid going under the knife which is always preferable um, and and you know it's it's a it's a risk because what if he does need surgery later? It's not enviable. It's, it's a tough decision. Yeah. No, nobody has the answers. That that that's the thing. Like we can talk about it as much as we want, but you know the Orioles don't have the answers. Kyle Bradish, Mike Elias, they don't have the answers right now. So it's it's certainly going to be tough. We'll get to the, the the meat of this episode coming up next. To the healthy pitchers still, Corbin Burns and Grayson Rodriguez. They're going to be one and two in this rotation at least for the beginning part of the season without Kyle Bradish, and we'll talk about what that outlook is for the Orioles. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Game Time because you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. And they make it so easy because you can buy the tickets on their app with a flash deal for the best price, and it's sent right to the app. You don't need to dig through your email or your text to get that ticket. It's right on your phone. You scan it, and you walk into the stadium. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So we're here with Andy Koska of the Baltimore Banner, who covers the Baltimore Orioles. He is down in Sarasota, Florida. We are talking about the O's top of the rotation without Kyle Bradish. And this is a point where it feels pretty good that the Orioles went and got Corbin Burns. Now, obviously, as we look back, we know the Orioles knew of the injury to Kyle Bradish back in January before they made the Corbin Burns trade. And although Elias has talked about how they pushed for that trade all offseason, I'm sure it put it into another gear after Bradish went down. And you talked to... Corbin Burns and and watched his kind of first live BP earlier this week. And all of a sudden, despite the fact that Burns had kind of introduced a sweeper last season and it was awesome, he's got another new breaking ball out there. And I didn't know Corbin Burns could get better, but but maybe he can in an Orioles uniform. Yeah, I mean, he looked phenomenal 
in that first live session. He he did not actually like his cutter uh, command at all in that live session. Um, what what he has proven throughout his career in Milwaukee and, and and will continue to do so this season is is that great starting pitchers can have a lack of feel of one or two pitches and find a way to get outs with their other you know offerings and, and that was the case you know Ryan O'Hearn had a great single you know would be single it's it's a live batting session you know there's no fielders but would have been a single you know a, a pretty hard hit line drive uh, into shallow left um, off a cutter that Corbin wanted it under the hands he didn't get it under the hands and, and, and Ryan O'Hearn inside out of the pitch you know that that will happen uh, so he was very you know, Corbin Burns was critical of himself for for leaving the, that that pitch there but what we saw the rest of the time against the slew of left-handed uh left-handed hitters so right on left matchups was uh you know his curveball looked great he had his traditional 12-6 curveball that he had uh, against Adley and Adley popped it up into center field and then suddenly a pitch that none of us really knew Cedric Mullins didn't know what it was um it dove at about 84 85 miles per hour towards Cedric Mullins's back foot uh Mullins swung through it it was right on kind of the edge of the zone. So it was probably a good swing decision, all things considered. Uh, but Mullins asked some of the analytic guys, like, what the heck was that? Slider? You know, was that a slider? Um, no, that was a, a new curveball for Corbin Burns. And uh, it's, you know, I was talking to James McCann about this new curveball. So he has basically, let me back up for one second before I get to James McCann. Corbin described it as he has two. So he has the traditional 12 6, about 78 to 80 miles per hour. That has been a great curveball for much of his career that that won't change but in two strike situations where he thinks he can get a strikeout especially you know it you know can be especially uh filthy against a a left-handed hitter he could have this mid 80s uh curveball that is sharper and goes right to the back foot of a left-handed left-handed batter and it's it's incredibly it's an incredibly hard pitch to hit and James McCann kind of likened it to, uh, I guess, Charlie Morton, uh, I, I guess, uh, for the Braves. Uh, when he had, I mean, one of the best curveballs in, in baseball, uh, Charlie has. Um, he has different varieties kind of for different situations. And this is kind of that case where you can have a, a different style of curveball when you really need a punch out. Um, it could be a huge asset for Corbin Burns, just adding to a, you know, a cutter, his changeup. Is, is again, you know, a really good pitch when he pairs it with the cutter, just a little bit different action, uh, looks pretty much the same uh, coming out of the hand. The sinker looks the same as the cutter, except it drops instead of has run. So he has a lot of different options and suddenly uh, he, he's going to pull out a, a new curveball in some situations. Interestingly, I mean, you, you mentioned the, the sweeper last year, he pulled out about halfway through the year. Um, he discovered, he, he did the sweeper because in, in his own words, his slider sucked was what he was what he told me. Um, it didn't really suck. The bat, batters the first three months hit like 222 against it. Like they were they were not like lighting his slider up by any means. But in his lofty standards, it was not to his to his to what he wanted. Uh, so he introduced the sweeper. He's not really focusing on the sweeper this year. Uh, he said he likely will not use it. Although he did throw one in a bullpen session yesterday. Uh, where he he didn't like how it felt actually uh, when it came out it just it didn't didn't have as good of a didn't have as good of a run um, 
he probably won't use the sweeper because he he really worked all offseason on figuring out his his traditional slider again. So he feels more confident in his mid eighties slider. Um, less, you know, it runs more than than his uh, than his cutter does. Uh, will not have, you know, I think he had like an average of twelve horizontal inches with his sweeper last year. So just you know, a, a crazy pitch, but. Um, he's not going to use the sweeper as much, but still could pop up, still could pop up from now and then. But yeah, I, I think Corbin Burns is just, he's a savant at adding pitches when he needs one. He can take away a pitch if it doesn't feel good that day. It, this is this is a very, very you know high quality pitcher and, and the best pitchers in baseball and know how to constantly adapt, um, add new things, take away things that aren't working well. And this is what we're going to see in Baltimore all year. It's going to be very, very interesting. Yeah, it's, it's going to be great to have an ace at the top of this rotation. And and also just to think that he goes to the sweeper and, and he seems to be one of those guys who's kind of more on the what's a sweeper uh, train. It's more of the this is just a longer slider. This is just a slider that moves more, but whatever works for him. But it's nice to know that if Corbin Burns hits a rut at any point this year against right handers, we know exactly what worked for him last year, and he could pull out that sweeper hopefully at any time. He's got the new curveball. He's got a lot of good pitches. This is this is how good this guy is. And, and so the question kind of is now, you know, you thought you had Burns, Bradish, Rodriguez. Now it's more Burns, Rodriguez, Kramer in the top three of the rotation right now. And, and it probably puts more weight on the back of Grayson Rodriguez. So coming up next, we'll finish off the pod to, to talk about him. And, and he's made some changes this offseason as well. And now he's stepping into even a, a bigger role. Can he fill those big Kyle Bradish shoes? We'll talk about that coming up after the break. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. You can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 just if your bet wins. You can do it with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to shoot your shot with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. So we're here with Andy Koska still from the Baltimore Banner who covers the O's and is down in Sarasota and wanted to finish off by talking about Grayson Rodriguez because there's no secret now. He he is the number two starter in this rotation, at least to begin the season. And the O's obviously hope they get John Means back already and healthy, and they really hope they get Kyle Bradish back and healthy at some point this season. But until then, Grayson, who did start game two of the playoff series last year, so he's been in this role before. Now it didn't go great for him against the Rangers, but He's moving up a role with Bradish being out for at least a little bit of time here. And you've written about how, you know, he's changing a little bit this offseason, what he throws and and how often he throws it. And I just wanted to kind of start with, you know, with the changes he's made, you can talk about him a little bit. Like, do you think he's ready to step into even a bigger role? Like, can he have a Bradish style 2023 season? Because if he does, that is going to be huge for this Orioles team. Yeah, I never want to put too much pressure on a, on a still a, a young pitcher, but I, I think Grayson has all the tools to have another breakout season. He looked phenomenal the second half of 2023. The playoff game did not go his way. You know, I talked to him about what happened in that playoff game, and he, he said he was trying to throw the ball through a brick wall and, and just, you know, was overthrowing. And, and by by overthrowing, he was missing spots, and, and that just, you know, things uh, unraveled on him. In, in the postseason match. Um, but I, I do think he he's a you know great candidate to be a be a breakout guy. Um, he has uh, he kind of discovered last year that what 
his, what he needs to focus on is fastball command. Um, his four seam fastball is, is really, really good. Um, has a lot of life to it. And he actually is looking to add a, a two seam as well. He's, he worked on a two seam this off season, probably won't be a, a huge piece of his, of his repertoire. I don't mean to make it seem like he's going to throw 20% two seamers and 40% four seamers and just forget every other pitch. You know, he's, he's, he's still, you know, a four seam dominant guy, but the two seam could be a really interesting thing really against both righties and lefties. Um, you got to think suddenly you're adding a pitch that can still come out at 95 that has a little bit of arm side, you know, cut under the hands of a right-handed hitter. Um, you could, you know, for a, for a left-handed batter, maybe it just squeaks out of the zone in the last second, you know, that it could be a huge asset to him as well as the, as well as the four seam. And, and he has, you know, great other pitches too. So there's, there's no, no worries, you know, there about his other pitches, but uh, I, I, I do think he could be a, you know, a big, um, you know, take another jump in, in basic, basically the jump would be, you know, I remember talking to Kyle Gibson uh, last year about the biggest jump for guys as they, as they get more established in the league as a, as a starting pitcher. And what it really is, is, it's, maybe it's not the stuff per, per, per se, but it's the it's just the consistency. It's being able to go out there and and perform at a high level more more frequently, and that is going to be the, the big question for a guy like you know Grayson Rodriguez. Can he do it uh, consistently? We saw the second half of the season. The answer was a resounding yes. The first half of the season, uh, five good starts and, and five poor starts. It was almost it was exactly 50-50. and that was so emblematic of a of a young 23 year old at the time I, I believe he was 23 at the time um that happens to a, to a young starter so uh i i still imagine that uh there will be bumps along the road this is a 24 year old um having a huge uh huge responsibilities uh until john means and kyle bradish uh, come back if if kyle bradish comes back uh, but you know john means expected to come back um but I, I do want to emphasize this is this is not on Grayson alone. Um, you know, you have Corbin Burns, you have Dean Kramer, who uh, had another you know pretty good season last year. Um, you have two kind of open spots at the back end of the of the rotation that you can assume go to Tyler Wells and Cole Irvin. Uh, Tyler Wells, uh, phenomenal first half, was the best Orioles pitcher in the first half last year, and. and you know, had to go down to AAA, uh, some arm fatigue, had a reset, came back as a great, uh, great bullpen piece late in the year. Uh, but expect Tyler Wells right in that mix as well. I, I think he could have a great, a great 2024 as a rotation piece. He feels, you know, I have a story coming up Friday, I think, uh, on, on Tyler. You know, he feels like he proved, you know, he proved himself. He, he can be a starter in this league. Um, just the next, next stage is can he do it over 162? That, that's kind of the next question. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see exactly how, how it all shakes out. But, uh, you also have guys like Chase McDermott and, and Cade Povich who, who have impressed in, in AAA and, um, they could be in that pipeline if you need a guy midway through the season. Uh, you know, that there's a lot of interesting starters on this roster. Uh, Bruce Zerman, you know, worked a lot this off season to, 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 you know, and was injured for a lot of last year with, with a core injury. So, um, you have, it's not just, you know, Grayson Rodriguez, but Grayson could be a, you know, he has a big responsibility. I think he can really step up to the plate for it. 
yeah, it'll be big for Grayson. But also, as you said, like if Tyler Wells can get through a full season as a starter, that would be incredible. If Cole Irvin can just be what he was in Oakland, that would be huge for, for this Orioles rotation as well. Yeah. And again, those younger guys, maybe if they're ready, it doesn't have to be early, but maybe in the second half, if the Orioles need some arms. And, and especially if obviously Bradish does have to miss the whole year and more. And I don't think the O's are expecting 190 innings out of John Means. You just can't expect right. that at this point. So they're going to need some depth and, you always have the trade deadline where you could go out and, and and add something if you needed to as well. But Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we go, um, let everybody where know where they can find your work, where they can read your work uh, as you continue to uh, bear on in Sarasota here in the much warmer weather. But um, it sounds like not your favorite state to be in. Yeah, nothing uh, nothing against any Florida, Floridians listening to this. Uh, it's a great pickleball state. Um but yeah, uh, subscribe to the Baltimore banner if you can. Uh, $1 for six months right now. It goes up a little bit after that, but we got to make a living. So uh, if you don't mind subscribing, that, that'd be great. And my uh, my Twitter's right there. Uh, same same username on threads. Been trying to post on threads as well. So you can find me there. All right. He's on threads as well. You can check out Andy's work at the banner along with Daniel Allentuck, John Mioli, Paul Mancano, pretty much everybody over there who is covering the Orioles this spring training and throughout the season. Andy, thank you so much for joining us once again. Yeah, thank you. That was Andy Koska of the Baltimore Banner. We will be back tomorrow with one more episode, final roster group preview for the Orioles in spring training. We're taking a look at the outfield. Three spots pretty much locked in with Mullins and Hayes and Santander, but there's either one or two more spots beyond that. Who could take it? Could it be Kowser? Could it be Kerstad? And could Jorge Mateo slide into one of those roles as well? That's coming up on tomorrow's pod. But until then, that's been Andy Koska. I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast your team every day.